Roll down tide. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, this is the Beer Garden presented by Oxford Crystal. Like to hear a little bit more conviction in your take, though. There was a lot of maybes, a lot of what ifs, a lot of questions. You need to just get on here. You need to fire and and put me in a position where I have to tell you that you're wrong. And now, here's your host, Neil McCready. Nice, nice. Welcome to another edition of The Beer Garden, presented by Oxford Crystal. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, it is football, almost all college football. We talk a little bit about the Miami Dolphins and Laramie Tunsil with Ryan Brown of WJOX in Birmingham. But it is mostly football, as football season is finally here. Before we get to Ryan, let me tell you about the Oxford Crystal. It's Highway 6 West in Oxford, just next door to the Oxford Exxon and it's football season, and they can get you set up all day long. You can start off with the Scrambler Breakfast Bowls, get yourself ready for a full Saturday of college football. Uh, grits, sausage, bacon, eggs, cheese, the whole deal right there in one bowl. Perfect way to get your day started. And if you're hanging out on the couch some on Saturday, flipping around, watching games, stop by Crystal, you get the Pick five for five fifty-five. You can make your meal your way, and throughout the day, you can enjoy one dollar all day, every day slushies made with uh, Sprite. They've got uh, all sorts of different flavors. It's all there at the Oxford Crystal Highway Six West in Oxford. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios, Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. Six six two two five seven nineteen hundred is the number. Call the number. Uh, tell. Uh, Corey Clark, what Ford product you're looking for? He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's that simple. It's no hassle, no haggle. It's right to the bottom line. You get a quote, and the rest is up to you. You can shop it around, or you can do what I've done, and that's get yourself into a Clark Ford product today. You'll love the vehicle. You'll love the service after the sale, delivery options, all of those things. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He'll prove it to you. Call the number 662 257 1900. We are also sponsored by LB's Meat Market in Oxford. It is home of the freshest cuts in Oxford. 2008 University Avenue, right across from the Kroger. 662-259-2999. Call Greg. Greg Jones. Give him your order. He'll have it packaged up and ready for you. If you're coming in, you want to take something to your condo or uh, to your friend's house to grill, maybe the Friday night before a game, Saturday after a game, whatever the case may be. You want to take some stuff into the Grove, he's got that as well. Just tell him what you're looking for. He'll have it set up, or you can do what I like to do, which is go in and just sort of browse. You can check out all of the fresh cut with beef, sausage, chicken, seafood. Um, he's got all sorts of sides as well. The um, the jalapeno poppers, the stuffed mushrooms, and more. It's all there. They have catering throughout the day, plate lunches. So go in, check it out at LB's, and make sure you tell Greg that you heard about LB's on the beer garden. He'll throw in a little extra in your sack and certainly make it uh, worth extra worth for your trip to LB's Meat Market in Oxford. We're also brought to you by Community Mortgage. It's located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. It's 30 years old. It's one of the oldest mortgage companies in the Southeast. All of the underwriting and the processing is done in Memphis, so you know you're getting local underwriting that understands your market. It's also the leader in condo financing in the Oxford market. Ask Jason Lowe about Community Mortgage's float-down option, which allows you to lock in the current rate 
but if rates go down before you close, you can get the lower rate. JLO at communitymtg.com. That's J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. And we're brought to you by Strategic Partners and Media. SPM is a full-service advertising agency that works with businesses of all types, big or small, Fortune 500 companies to startups. SPM can help your advertising needs for TV, radio, print, and every facet of social and digital media. Look, here's why SPM is really good and different than other ad firms. They handle everything in-house. They don't sub their work out. The writing, the production, and the editing is done solely by their staff and crafted uniquely for their clients. Lastly, an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippian as a partner in the firm, so give them a call and see how great they are. It's Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. Again, Austin at strategicpartnersmedia.com. Now, here is Ryan Brown of WJOX in Birmingham. Ryan, always fun to talk to you. Good to have you back. I know that, that football is here. That means that you've kind of exhaled. You've, you've gotten the drug and in, injected into your vein. You're starting to feel a little calmer right about now. Everything's the, Some of the cold sweats are starting to go away. You're starting to feel just generally a little better. Yeah, life is better with football. I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, that was a terribly played game Saturday night between Florida and Miami, and you know what my reaction was? I stood up until 1.30 watching Arizona and Hawaii. I, mean, I, cannot, I cannot get enough of it. I love it. Love it. Well, the Florida-Miami game, and I didn't get to see all of it. Carson had a soccer uh, tournament in Jackson, Tennessee, and th- they had a game Saturday night at 7.30. So we missed – we saw – First, we saw the first couple of drives of the game, and then we got back to the hotel in time to see the end of the third quarter on. And while it wasn't well played, it was exciting, and it was kind of dramatic and crazy. And I think, especially early in the season, that sort of makes up for the actual football wasn't very good. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing, especially that time of year. Look, if that game were on a normal Saturday, I'd probably – you know, would choose another game over it if there were one on. But when you're starving, I mean, if you haven't had a meal in a week, you'll eat anything they put in front of you. So I, I, I eat it right now. But, look, it's entertaining because of the names. I mean, it's Miami and Florida. If you got that same type of game out of other teams, you kind of expect undisciplined football out of Miami and Florida. So it's kind of, in a way, it's really what you should have expected all along. All right, I'm going to get back to the college game in a minute. I do want to start here. It's a former Ole Miss player that I'm going to ask you about, and he plays on your favorite team, the Miami Dolphins. Are the Dolphins going to trade Laramie Tunsil, or is this just noise? I think it's just noise. Um, reading some of the guys, including Joe Shad, by the way, who uh, used to be at ESPN and now covers the Dolphins for the Paul Beach Post. Reading some of those guys, they seem to think that that was just noise. That there, are, there are very few Dolphins players that are untouchable, and Larry McTunsell is one of those. Now, I could say that by the time this podcast hits, they could trade him because it appears anything is on the table right now for the Dolphins. But I, I think if you look at what they have done, they've really stockpiled enough picks to do what they want to do next year. Even if they don't finish dead last to get the number one pick for a quarterback, if that's what they're trying to do, after the first round, they've got two picks per round for the rest of the draft. So they've got plenty of picks that they can package up and trade in order to get up to where they want to pick. So I really don't think it's necessary for them to continue to make moves like the Larry McTelson move if they wanted to. But I think there are a few players on that team that are untouchable. I think he is. Um, you know, I think uh, Mika Fitzpatrick is. 
I mean, there, there are a couple guys that I don't think you could get out of the Dolphins, and I think Larry, I think Larry Mutunzel is one of those guys. Okay, we'll go back to the college game now. I just wanted to get your thoughts because I kept seeing it, and I thought I think Ryan will melt down if they trade a potential yeah. franchise okay. left tackle when he's in his mid twenties. That it just makes no sense at all. Well, it, it doesn't. If you're going to, especially if you're thinking you want to draft a quarterback next year, why would you not want one of the best left tackles in the league? I mean, if that look and he fell to you, it was a miracle that you got him to begin with. It took that, that insane draft night video for you to even get him. So you're so fortunate to have him. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be one of the dumbest moves at all. And I've lost the dumb, but that would be a dumb move. There's no way you get rid of that guy. Okay, back to the college game. So we're uh, we're only a handful of days away from the start of the season, which means we're only a couple more handful of days away from overreaction Monday, when everyone watches <laughs> one game. And they get to go absolutely crazy making sweeping assertions about, okay, I saw one game. Here's what's going to happen the rest of the way. We can we have the benefit of being able to do that with the Gators. What's your overreaction Monday to what you saw out of Florida in week one? Well, you know, it should be noted that I actually thought Florida and specifically Felipe Frank to take a huge step forward at the end of last year to the point that, I'm not saying they could have won the cocktail party, but I think the cocktail party was going to be interesting and that they were going to be able to challenge Georgia for the East. And after watching that, I feel like not only is Georgia heads and shoulders above them, but I think Florida would struggle to not be a three or four long team. I don't think they'll challenge Georgia in the East. So I was really, really disappointed, primarily with Felipe Franks. I mean, I thought this guy had taken a maturity step forward. Um, and there he is, drawing with fans, hunting the ball in the stands. I mean, just idiot stuff. Yeah, you know, yelling at the TV camera. Just idiot stuff from Felipe Franks, who's got to be the leader of that team. So I, I, as a guy who thought Florida had taken a pretty big step forward at the end of last year, I really had to dial that back after that game. Yeah, I, I, again, I didn't get to see a lot. But what I saw, I did like some of their athleticism on defense. They weren't particularly disciplined. But if that's what Felipe Franks is, and it probably is, and, and Mullen had him pretty efficient, if that's what Franks is, I just don't think they can win the big game. No. I mean, he, he appears to be a guy, like if I'm an opponent of theirs, he looks like he's a guy I can easily get in his head. He looks like, you know, a little trash talk, and I can get an emotional reaction out of him. He's just not – he's not what you need from an upperclassman quarterback that is being charged for leading his team. It's just – it's not what you need. And I, I didn't like what I saw at all. And I, I wasn't crazy about the way Dan Mullen coached the game either. And he's always been a guy I've been kind of high on. I've been kind of high on Dan Mullen as a coach. But, you know, I used to see this, especially when Mississippi State would play Alabama – He's not real good late in close games. And you saw that. I call it that pass play, uh, which is amazing to me. But that's kind of what Dan Mullen does. Okay, I know you're going to watch games all day Saturday. You're going to watch from 11 until the, the thing went off. But if I told you, hey, uh, bad news, you can only watch one game Saturday. I'm going to hold you to this. You can't flip. You can't do anything. One game Saturday. Which game are you watching? I think it would have to be um, Auburn-Oregon. Not only is that the biggest game in the country, but obviously for what I do for a living here in Birmingham, I need to see that one. Um, but I, I do think there are fascinating storylines. I mean, Gus Malzahn is a coach that's coaching on the precipice, and 
you know, a, a six or seven win season could send him over the edge. Eight win season has him teetering, and nine win season keeps him safe, probably. And that Oregon game could go a long way in determining six, seven, eight, or nine. So I think there's an interesting storyline there. Bo Nix, a true freshman starter who rewrote the record book at this state. Um, you know, uh, Justin Herbert, who's a legit, you know, candidate for the number one pick for the Dolphins or the Colts or somebody like that. I just, there's so many good storylines in that game. And Las Vegas tells you of the big name teams, it's the best game Saturday. So I think that's the one I would want until Saturday. So help me here with Auburn, because it's fascinating to me that you have the juxtaposition of a coach who, as you said, is on the precipice, and I don't think there's any doubt that he is, going with a true freshman quarterback where normally if you're going to go with the true freshman quarterback, it's in a little bit of a rebuild. Everyone understands that, hey, there's going to be some growing pains here, but uh, this kid's going to be a star, et cetera, et cetera. He needs Pat Nix to be a star right now. You've seen Nix. Is is he is he good enough to be a superstar right now? I mean, I think he is because I think he has been really from you know from birth basically molded for this situation. I mean, his dad obviously for those who don't remember was a quarterback at Auburn in the mid nineties. Uh, he then became a college coach. He was a coordinator at Georgia Tech under Chan Gailey. Uh, he was a head coach for a little bit. He bounced around some, then he became a high school head coach. And Bo Nix has started since he was ninth grade and you know his re like i said rewrote the record book in alabama and i mean he's been not only coached but raised by a guy that knows exactly what it's like to play quarterback at auburn in the southeastern conference in kind of a pressure cooker situation so i don't know that you pedigree wise could have been raised any better to do this now that doesn't mean he'll be he'll be you know a star at auburn and win the heisman but I don't think it'll be because of lack of preparation. I think he's prepared. It's just, you know, does the game move too fast for him? Is he just – I mean, I, you've seen it, Neil. You've seen guys that look like absolute can't. I, I don't know if anybody's ever called Bo Nix an absolute can't miss. He's not, you know, five, he was a four-star by most of the services. I mean, he's, he's not a guy that was the number one player in the country, but he, he's a guy that I think a lot of people think is molded to be a college quarterback. Who was the kid from Montgomery that, that Auburn had at quarterback the other, a few years ago that was so hyped up, and, and they he, from his first game on, it was obvious. First game as a starter on, it was obvious. He just couldn't handle it. Yeah, that was Jeremy Johnson. Johnson. And, see, if you'll remember, what happened there was um, after the 2013 season, in the summer of 2013, Nick Marshall uh, was pulled over, and there was some sort of possession, misdemeanor, or something like that. So he was suspended for the first half of the Arkansas game. And everybody had already been singing the praises of Jeremy Johnson. He was a really good high school quarterback. He was a coveted recruit for Auburn. And there were even people saying, look, I know Nick Marshall just took us to a national championship game, but this Jeremy Johnson kid's going to be better. And then what happened was Marshall missed that first half of the Arkansas game. That was a season opener. And Johnson played the first half and was terrific. And, I, you know, I want to say Auburn had like a 21-point lead at the half. And there was a legit quarterback controversy. I mean, people were like, hey, is it, uh, Nick Marshall just took him to the championship. Is it time to move on? And Marshall finished out the 14 season, and then Johnson took over in 15, and it was an abject disaster. I mean, he was terrible. He couldn't read defenses. Uh, he, he, he continued to throw interceptions to linebackers. Linebackers dropping. Teams realized all you got to do is drop the middle linebacker into coverage, and he'll never see it. 
it, it was just, it was a disaster from the word go. And um, I, I don't know that I've ever seen, at least in this state, a player that his expectations and his reality were so far apart. You know, it's the thing about Ole Miss, as we jump around a little bit, uh, Matt Corral, you watch him in practice, all the talent in the world, tremendous arm talent, good athlete, can make all the throws, uh, Is has kind of has some natural charisma, kids follow him, all of those things. But, Ryan, he hasn't started a game. He's only yeah. played a handful of snaps. Um, there's There's almost this narrative that has been built, and I feel sometimes guilty about it because, obviously, I have a voice. I write. I I could. I probably should have pointed this out before. Ole Miss plays at Memphis on Saturday morning. It's his first start. He's behind a very inexperienced offensive line. He's got two experienced wide receivers. Everybody else is brand new. He's got a very experienced running back behind him. The other kids are very talented, but they're brand new. It's a tight end who hasn't played a whole lot in comparison to the kid that left, Dawson Knox. And there's this burden put on uh, Matt Corral, who, by the way, is, is running an offense for the first time. Hey, not only, yeah. be, be, not only be good, be really good, be good enough to carry us early in the season, it's a hell of a burden to put on a kid. I'm not saying he can't handle it, but when you stop and you take a few steps back and you look at it, you go, man, they are asking a lot of this kid. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt. I'm sure Matt Luke's in the same boat as Gus Malzahn. There is no doubt Gus Malzahn would rather be playing New Mexico State Saturday and, and Oregon in week two. At yes. least let Nick kind of wade into the water. And I'm sure Matt Luke is the same way, even though Corral played at the end of the Egg Bowl last year and he's gotten at least some snaps. But it's just a different story when you're a starter. And now you're going to go play, even though I, w- I would imagine you know better than me, this is probably going to be more like a 50-50 crowd in Memphis. But – you know, you're playing on the road. I'm sure it's going to be a hostile situation. That, that's a big rivalry. You're the underdog to a Memphis team that, you know, Ole Miss fans aren't used to being an underdog in Memphis. I mean, there, there's a lot in that game that's kind of similar to what Bo Nix will face. I mean, that's that's a lot of adversity to put on a guy that's also making his first start. I mean, you could put those the, both those situations, you could take a two- or three-year starter, and that's a lot of adversity for them. A guy making his first start, it, it's almost more than you should ask. Oh, I think if you offered Matt Luke, heart of hearts, truth of truths, hey, Matt, we can switch a couple of games on the schedule, and you guys can open with New Mexico State, and you can go to Memphis in November. I no think, doubt. I think he'd jump on that so fast it'd make your head spin. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. Although I kind of like Ole Miss in this situation, to be honest with you. Just to, to see an SEC point, uh, see an SEC team, is a six six and a half point underdog to an American team that just seems a little high, and yeah. I know the old saying: if it seems obvious, you're on the wrong side. So I'm probably on the wrong side about that one. No, I'm kind of with you. I mean, and and look, it's one of those deals where you cover one team, and that's the only team you see in August, and you start to see. It's funny, people ask you about what's the over the course of the season. You'll talk to people that have covered a team and. By the time you get to the end of the season, those people will only tell you the bad things about that team because they've now seen every warp. Yeah. And from the outside, yeah. you see good things, and you're like, oh, wow, man, I thought that team's better than what you described. In August, it's the exact opposite. You only see them yeah. practice. And so yeah. it's a temptation to go, you know what, they're pretty good. Yeah. You haven't yeah. seen anybody else. I, uh, 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and I remember looking at the preseason, though, on this Memphis team, you know, there are only seven teams from a Vegas point spread favorite of, of, uh, point of view. There are only seven teams in the country that are right now favored in all of their games, and Memphis is one of them. And now that may end up that way because we'll see what Houston does in that conference, but that's a good Memphis team. I mean, I, I don't. I don't by any stretch. I'm not saying they're a bad team, but I'm like you. You, if you all you're doing is watching Ole Miss every day, you can you can lure yourself into thinking, okay, maybe I'll look past some of these flaws. Maybe this is a better team than I think. What's your pick in that game, by the way, Ole Miss Memphis? Are you going with the Rebels? I think I would. Yeah, I like Corral. Um, again, it's just you know I, I think Ole Miss made really good hires in their coordinators. Uh, you, you've got experienced head coaches now as coordinators. One of them, I guess, I don't know, did Rich Rodriguez, he was coach of the year at one point, right? I know yeah. McIntyre was. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're talking about a couple guys that are coaches of the year, and I applaud Matt Luke for, you know, not having the ego to say, yeah, I'm not going to get these guys. I mean, he went out and got quality coaches. So, yeah, I think I like Ole Miss in that situation. Not just to cover, but I, I like them to win that game. But I, I do think that's a good Memphis team. I mean, that's the team, if you told me at the end of the year they're undefeated and in the argument for group of five representative in the playoff, which they wouldn't get, but if they were in that argument, like Central Florida was, I can believe that one, Memphis. Yeah, I think I'm with you all the way. For some reason, I, my, my gut has told me all along that Ole Miss wins this game. I, it, I think the Arkansas game next week is going to be a bigger challenge than Memphis Saturday. Yeah, well, that's a game Ole Miss should have lost last year in Little Rock. So, I mean, if you want to look at it that way and Arkansas got to be a little bit better um you know they, they it's a, it's almost impossible for them to be worse than they were last year you think uh, I know Arkansas named Hicks Ben Hicks the starter for week one do you think that sticks or do you think this is just a kind of a a little bit of a hey Starkle has to go earn it kind of a thing who do you anticipate yeah, being the I, quarterback you know, when they get to Oxford next week <laughs> You know, I kind of thought once Hicks came over from SMU, I figured there was something Chad Morris was more comfortable with him than Starkle. I just always felt like Hicks would probably win that job. But, and, and see, here's what I don't know. Now, I know both those guys have transferred, but anymore, Neil, when I see a quarterback competition go down to the final days of practice, I now believe it's just because the coach is trying to keep a guy from jumping in the transfer portal. And people in your state saw that happen over at Starkville. I mean, as soon as Keaton Thompson lost that job to Tommy Stevens, he's gone. And now Joe Moorhead's in a world of hurt. So, you know, was Tommy Stevenson, were Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson that close, or was Moorhead just trying to keep Keaton Thompson on the team? Um, so, you know, I, I, I am hesitant to read into quarterback battles that take a really long time. That said, both those guys have already transferred. So the likelihood of them jumping back in seems a little. So maybe that was as close a battle as it seems on the surface. You know, let's talk about State for a minute because they're interesting. They've been really good the last few years. They were a bit of a disappointment last season, probably wasted some defensive talent, and now they have Thompson leaves. As you mentioned, he jumps in the transfer portal the moment that he loses that job. I know for an absolute fact that was a point of contention in the locker room a little bit. I'm not saying that, that Moorhead did the wrong thing, because you, you, you should absolutely name the best quarterback the starting quarterback, duh. But Thompson had been there a while. A lot of people liked him. He had friends yeah. in the program. People felt like he had earned his opportunity. Now, he leaves. The NCAA comes down with the penalty with the suspensions, which, frankly, I thought was kind of weak. I think the academic fraud that they committed was 
at least on paper, worse than what Missouri did. Missouri's facing a bowl ban. Mississippi State gets kind of a pass, which is odd. Anyway, there's a lot going on there. To me, they just remain the strongest candidate, in my mind, to be the big disappointment in the league. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, But, you know, I can see the contention there. And I think this is the tricky part about bringing in transfers. Um, and it's why, you know, Spencer Rattler at Oklahoma was the hotshot recruit, and Lincoln Riley at least made it appear that Jalen Hurts had to battle him to keep that job. But you can understand coaches doing that. The last thing, the last message you can send is, oh, you can transfer in here and not work for the job, and I'm going to give it to you. I mean, that is the worst message you can send. But you're right. If I'm a left tackle at Mississippi State, and I've seen if Keaton Thompson was a hard worker and if he's battled for that job, He's been in this program all along. What's going to stop you from doing that to me next year? If you see a hot left tackle, transfer, you know, am I going to lose my job? I, it, I think it's a slippery slope. While this transfer portal, I think all overall is good. I think these coaches can get in some slippery slopes on it. They've got to be really, really careful of making it look like these guys don't have to come in and earn the job when they transfer in. But who didn't think Tommy Stevens was going to be the starter? when Joe Moran goes against him for Penn State after having seen Keaton Thompson. I mean, I, I would have been shocked if it hadn't been Tommy Stevens. Yeah, I, I think Keaton Thompson didn't see it coming for whatever well, reason. It's that and, and you're right. Listen, you're a coach. It's it's a fine line because you've got if there's a if there's a player out there that can make your team better, you have to go get that player, but when you start sending a message inside your locker room it's twofold. One, it's, hey, you guys better work hard because I, I'm not afraid to go get somebody else. But when you tell kids early, hey, there's a process here and you work for playing time here and you work to this place, and then they do it and the opportunity goes away, it, it, you do mess with the loyalty a little bit. You do mess with some of the, some of the core fabric of your program that makes it harder for you as a coach to motivate guys. And I know it looks bad for Tate Martell leaving Ohio State, but you look at it from his point of view, you've gone and gotten a guy to transfer in that didn't even start at Georgia, barely played at Georgia. You haven't seen him. You don't know how great he is. And you've told me you don't have any faith in me by doing that. I'm out of here now. You know, it was the right thing to do, cut bait and go to Miami. I don't know. But I don't blame him for being upset with it. You know, you thought enough of me that you played me last year. And now, you know, as soon as this shiny new toy that you don't even know if it works is available, you're going to go get it. I mean, I, I can see his side of it. Absolutely. And if you're state, now you have to protect Stevens. There's really no one behind him. And you've got to get back out into the recruiting recruiting uh, landscape and go get a quarterback. And that quarterback's going to be told, hey, you better be – Better be careful with Mississippi State because they'll bring in a transfer to, to take your job. It's not the NFL, yeah. you know. It, it's in the NFL, you know. Like if you're the if you're the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know. Hey, listen, you get paid to do a gig. If we find somebody that can do your gig better, or better and cheaper, we're we're going to go that route. That's what we're going to do. You sort of know that going in. That's not really the sales pitch at the college level. No, it's not, and you're right. Teams are going to start using that against 
any of these teams to do that. That's why I think you've got to be so incredibly careful. And the watch is on. Now, let me, before I even say what I'm about to say, let me give the disclaimer that there have been zero credible reports that Joey Gatewood at Auburn is considering the transfer portal. But if Bo Nix comes out and slays it against Oregon, and you're looking at the prospect of, I'm a redshirt freshman, he's a true freshman, I don't even have to be good at math to figure that one out. Um, you know, I mean, I think the watch would be on with him. And if he leaves, Auburn would be in a world of hurt and quarterback death. I mean, oddly enough, Alabama is probably in a better position quarterback depth-wise than anybody in the country. I mean, they've got, you know, a good solid backup and then two talented freshmen that are all still around and appear to be willing to stay. It's, it's you know, I don't know. It, it is quarterback. The transfer portal is going to change the quarterback position more than anything because these guys will be coveted free agents, and it's going to wreck people's quarterback depth year after year. Yeah, it's going to make it where a quarterback injury, which is always devastating, is now just crippling, program changing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is – I don't know. We it's And, again, I'm in favor of it because I am, as a rule, in favor of rules that benefit the players because I think way too many rules benefit the coaches in the schools, and the players are the ones without the power. And I know this goes against the grain of what most college fans want. But I think, in principle, it's a good rule. But it does have unintended consequences. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm pro-kids. Those are the ones that have to deal with us. Yeah, I'm for the kids. I, I think there's yeah. a way around some of this where a kid is allowed one transfer without a penalty. I, I think that's – I'd like that. And then after that, if, you, if you're going to be a vagabond, you, you know, you, you're, you're going to pay a price for it. But – I don't like the – and I know people talk about roster management, and my thing with that is, yeah, you're paying these guys millions of dollars. They can add roster management to their list of duties. They're, they're making a ton of money. A academic kid can leave a school and go to another school yeah. and start right away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and this all started, which I thought was a terrific rule, the graduate transfer rule, because if I've graduated – I have fulfilled my obligation. You, yep. You've fulfilled your obligation to me. You've given me a scholarship. You've helped me through my classes. But I've got my diploma. I have fulfilled my obligation. So I was all for the graduate transfer rule. Did people scam that system? Sure they did. They, you know, they would pick a major that would allow them to go to the school they wanted. But I didn't care. They had a degree. They've done their part. Now, this is a different ball of wax. And guys are gaming the system, coming up with reasons that they have a hardship they need to transfer just so they can play right away. But... You know, look, you can't, I don't think you can end a rule because a few people take advantage of it. You, if a rule's a good rule, it's a good rule. Uh, am I just demented that I, I'm looking forward to watching North Carolina, South Carolina because I want to see the Phil Longo offense and the Jay Bateman defense, the complete disparity in styles with Mac Brown walking the sideline? I just, I know it's not going to work. I want to watch it not work. You just want to watch the train wreck? You go to NASCAR to see the wrecks? Is that it? I think this is the case where I go to Dega and I get in position to watch the bad wrecks. And when the bad wrecks happen and everybody else says, ooh, that's awful, I think, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I'm glad I'm watching the wreck. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good show. Um, yeah, that's an interesting game. And, and I'll tell you where, to me, it's most interesting is you let South Carolina lose that game and you try to get them bowl eligible. Good luck. It's hard to do. I mean, there there are not there are not six wins on that schedule if they can't beat North Carolina. That's a brutal schedule. 
Um, so to me, that's the most interesting aspect of it is without that win, uh, they're, they're not a bowl team, and I don't know what Will Muschamp's future is. I was going to ask, now, what, what, what happens to Boom if they go 5-7? and seven? You know, I don't know the whole climate there, um, and, and a lot of that is, you know, as you well know, these coaching deals are mitigated by who you think you can get to replace him. I think they like him there. But, boy, a 5-7, and, and you know, that's a uniquely difficult job. Um, because they're sandwiched right there between Clemson and Georgia and recruiting. And how are you if you're South Carolina? And I know they just spent a ton to build a new facility, you know, what, what everybody's doing building the football facility. But how, how am I expected to beat Clemson and Georgia in recruiting right now if I'm Will Muschamp? I mean, that's, that's tough right there. How do I sell against those two schools? So I think he's got a uniquely difficult job. But, boy, it's hard, it's hard to overcome a 5-7 and seven this day and age. Yeah, you know, as the money increases – and it gets more and more difficult to get people to come to games, to get people to leave their man cave, to leave their 75-inch screen, to leave their comfort of the AC. You don't have as much time to build. It's You, you talked about Auburn a minute ago. If Auburn loses to Oregon, it's really hard to find a, it's really hard to find a scenario where Gus isn't in trouble in October. On the flip side, yeah, if he I mean, beats Oregon, yeah. if he beats Oregon, man, I mean, listen, they could get they could get rolling. Yeah, because all of a sudden, I mean, a game that seemed really, really tricky for Auburn was that trip to the swamp, and that's week five. And you know, I'm not saying they're going to go win that game, but boy, it looks a lot more winnable now. I mean, Florida's probably still your favorite in the game, but not by a ton. That looks like a winnable game. Now, I haven't seen Auburn play. I may change my mind. You know, the old knee jerk Monday after seeing Auburn play get back to me, but, but that looks like a far more winnable game for Auburn right now. You know, the thing that is imposing, obviously, is the fact that they, they've got Georgia and Alabama staring at them at the end of the season. And those games, you know, I, I would say they're not going anywhere, but actually they are. Georgia moves up in the schedule starting next season. But this year those games aren't going anywhere. The good news is you get them in Jordan Air, but, I mean, that could be your two or your three best teams in the nation by the time those two games roll around. We haven't even talked about Alabama. They they get Duke on Saturday. Eh. I'm sure David Cutcliffe wishes he could get out of this, but it, it, that game is kind of what it is. I don't anticipate a particularly exciting exciting game coming out of camp. What's what are the storylines with Alabama? What's the expectation? Is it still national championship robust? Yeah, I mean the expectation is what it is every year in this state. They expect Alabama to be playing for the championship and to get revenge on Clemson if that's who you have to face to win it. Um, you know, the big storyline, there are a couple, you know, the, the injury to Trey Sanders, who was the true freshman running back, he was probably going to be third team, but it's actually given Alabama something they don't normally have, and that's a running back depth question right now because the guy's behind Brian Robinson, who's a very untested second teamer, but he looks good. Um, the guys behind him are just, they don't have any experience. Jerome Ford, Darius Townsend, who had moved to receiver, they moved it back to running back. There's just not a lot of not a lot of uh, experience back there. So, whereas last year Alabama could come at you with Damian Harris and then Najee Harris and then Josh Jacobs, you know, they don't have that this year. They, The other story is Joshua McMillan, who was the linebacker that will play next, would have played next to Dylan Moses. And it's a sad story, Neil. I mean, the guy is a fifth-year senior. He had waited his turn. He was going to be starting, and, and the coaches really, really liked him. And he, he tore his leg up uh, in fall practice. So, now Alabama is going – Christian Harris, who's a true freshman in that situation. 
uh, next to Dylan Moses at linebacker. They think the world of this kid, but he's still a freshman. And Nick Saban has even said himself, he's going to have to learn on the job. We're going to throw him out there and let him learn. So I think that that's the big storyline to watch is linebacker and running back for Alabama. It's normally two positions of wealth for Alabama. And in the running back position, they're kind of they're a little short on numbers. In the linebacker position, they got numbers. They're just short on experience. We, there is one SEC game this week. It doesn't really count. Georgia and Vanderbilt. Georgia, I think, will have three-quarters of the stadium uh, wearing red and black. Vanderbilt should ask all the Georgia fans to please wear black. They could take an overhead picture and make it a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll discount your ticket if you're in black. We'll give you a free drink if you're in black. Do a yeah, black there you out. go. Is Vanderbilt selling beer at the stadium this year? Are they what? Are they selling beer? Oh, I don't know. I don't know if Vanderbilt's one of the schools. I know Tennessee is. Um, obviously, in the same state there. I'm not certain. That's yeah. a great question. Uh, there, are, there are five of them, right? So I know A&M, LSU, Tennessee. Arkansas, Missouri. Um, yeah. Because Arkansas just announced, I saw it on Twitter just then, they just announced their uh, their craft beer brewer. It's like Core Brewery Ooh, or something. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. Now, I don't know if Andy's doing it. They really should. I mean, they I don't know how absolutely should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they should offer drink specials. There's no question. Yes. Yes. Uh, I, I, we, uh, we've jumped yeah. around on this before. Who's the – Who's is it? Is it? Is there anybody in the East that can beat Georgia? And from what you've heard about Georgia, is this Georgia team talented enough to get over the hump? Um. Yeah, you know, I, the the whole thing with Georgia, I've seen a lot of people picking them to win the championship over Alabama just on the redemption storyline, and that's an interesting storyline because you have to ignore some things. Um, I'm not saying you have to ignore them with Georgia. I'm just saying if you're only going to talk about redemption, you know, you, at some point you got to look at X's and O's and things like that. That other team might actually be better that you're trying to get redemption on. So I do still think Alabama's the better of the two teams, you know, um, the interesting thing to me is I was never the biggest Jim Chaney fan. I think we've talked about that. He's off to Tennessee now. Um, I, I wonder if Fromm flourishes a little bit out from under Jim Chaney. And I know he's got basically a rookie offensive coordinator. But uh, Chaney was just – I always thought he kind of kept the wraps on Fromm. They ran the ball a lot, which I, I would too with those running backs. But I don't know. I think it would be interesting to see if Fromm's let loose a little bit, even though he's really, really green at receiver. Um you know, what, what they could look like throwing the ball a little bit more this year. But um, I people say it's going to be the best Georgia defense they've had in quite a while. And I don't know who's going to challenge them in the East. I thought Florida would. I, I'm going to back off that. I do think Missouri, if you look at their schedule, Neil, Missouri could be 8-0, and but will have beaten nobody. So I, I don't know that Missouri can challenge them. I don't think Tennessee's quite there yet. So I'm not sure where they get their challenges in the East. Well, man, as always, I appreciate the time. I did not even mention the fact that I was uh, a little angry at you and other uh, and all of the Nationals over the weekend as they took the Cubs' soul, ripped it squarely out of the Cubs' body, put it on the ground, and sliced it open with not even brutal, not even a little bit of painkiller. It was just yeah uh, brutal. I, I like our strategy this year. Every time we win the division, we're out early in the playoffs, so we're just going to try it as a wild card this time. Let's see how that works. Yeah, well, you've got you've got the pitcher to win a wild card game, and frankly, you've got two no pitchers. Doubt. You've got two pitchers to win a wild card game. Yeah, yeah. 
they're, they're not going to cover off the ball. I mean, the, the thing I love most, Neil, is everybody talked about what Washington was going to miss without Bryce Harper. Tell me what they missed without Bryce Harper. Is that Nothing. team any different with Bryce Harper on it? Well, the truth is, and I love Harper, you know that, but Rendon is a better player. Soto is a better player. Yep. And they've just got a bunch of guys that they don't I, – I thought Joe Madden's quote was exactly right after the series. He said they don't chase. Yeah. Their plate discipline is wears you out. It wears your starters out. And then they've pitched well. Their bullpen's not good, but they've their starters have been so good that it's given them a chance in all these games. And they're they're very much in the race to, to get to a wild card and nobody's going to want to play them in a wild card. Because you get either Scherzer yeah, no, like, or uh or or Strasburg. Strasburg, yeah. yeah. Or yeah, I mean even if you had to go Patrick Corbin, that's not exactly a terrible option either but yeah obviously you'd want Scherzer or, or Strasburg out there no doubt well man thanks as always enjoy the weekend and I hope to do it again soon all right anytime Neil. I always love it all right talk to you soon thanks Ryan all right. again thanks to Ryan for his time today on the beer garden We'll be back next week when we do college football. Everybody will have a game under their belts. We'll have plenty to talk about. And the NFL season will have arrived. Bears, Packers next Thursday. Uh, So we'll talk some NFL as well. On the Beer Garden, again, our thanks to Ryan Brown, our thanks to the Oxford Crystal, our thanks to everyone who advertises on the show and all of you for listening. Until next week, have a great weekend. Take care.